God's word is holy. God's word is holy and sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts not just superficially, but to the very bone and marrow, and even discerns the intents and thoughts of the hearts of men and women. Let's stand and give heed to God's word as we turn to Nehemiah, Nehemiah 12. We'll be reading uh, from both Nehemiah 12 and portions from Nehemiah, a portion from Nehemiah 13. At the end of verse 42, it says, And the singers sang, and with Jezariah their leader, and on that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced because God had given them great joy. Even the women and children rejoiced, so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard from afar. On that day, men were also appointed over the chambers for the stores, the contributions, the first fruits, and the tithes to gather them from the fields of the cities, the portions required by the law for the priests and Levites. For Judah rejoiced over the priests and Levites who served, for they performed the worship of their God and and the service of purification, together with the singers and, and the gatekeepers in accordance with the commandment or the command of David and of his son Solomon. For in the days of David and and Asaph, in ancient times, there were leaders of the singers, songs of praise and hymns of thanksgiving to God. So all Israel in in the days of Zerubbabel and Nehemiah gave the portions due the singers and the gatekeepers as each day required and set apart the consecrated portions for the Levites, and the Levites set apart consecrated portions, portion for the sons of Aaron. Chapter 13, verse 10. Nehemiah says, I also discovered that the portions of the Levites had not been given them, so that the Levites and the singers who performed the service had gone away, each to his own field, so that I reprimanded the officials and said, Why is the house of God forsaken? Then I gathered them together and restored them to their posts. All Judah then brought the tithe of the grain, wine, and oil into the storehouses. In charge of the storehouses, I appointed uh, Shelemiah the priest, and Zadok the scribe, and Pedaiah of the Levites. In addition to them, uh, Hanan, the son of Zachor, the son of Mataniah, for they were for they were considered reliable, and it was their task to distribute to their kinsmen. Remember me for this, O my God, and do not blot out my loyal deeds which I have performed for the house of my God and its services. Let's pray. O Father, we pray that you would help, that you would give us your grace, that you would enlighten our minds and hearts to a greater understanding of this your word that you would give us a greater joy and a greater appreciation a greater thanksgiving for the wonderful things that you've done for us that we would give you the praise from sincere hearts we ask these things in the name of jesus our lord amen please be seated What makes you rejoice? Uh, there are a lot of people who might rejoice when they watch the football game. 
Um, there are a lot of people who rejoice when their their favorite team wins. Uh, maybe if you hunt or fish, you might rejoice when you get a good catch or you kill a, 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 a that deer you've been waiting for all season. Uh, there are a lot of people who rejoice on getting off from work and in doing the things that they really want to do. But notice in this book of Nehemiah, there was a great rejoicing. And the great rejoicing was one that was from a miraculous work of God. In the book of Nehemiah, this, this book began with the people not rejoicing, but rather sorrowing and in fear um, and reproach. But then their joy came later after, through the work of Nehemiah. So they went from reproach and fear and dread and sadness and grief to having great joy toward the end of this book because God had done great things for them. First of all, it was Nehemiah when he heard the news of Jerusalem, how the gates were broken down in many places and the gates, um, the walls were broken down and the gates were burned with fire. Nehemiah was sad before King Artaxerxes while he was serving as the king's cupbearer. The king noticed how his servant was sad, and then he, he prayed, Nehemiah prayed before the Lord, even while standing before the king, that God would give him favor, and God did. He was granted eight years of leave to go back and to help build the wall of Jerusalem, and also to serve as a governor, a ruler, back in his homeland, in the land of Judah. Uh, after 52 days, by the mighty work of God, being with the people, despite death threats, um, those who sought to insult them and other plots to stop the work, they completed that work in 52 days. And even the, even the pagans who surrounded them realized that the work was accomplished not by the strength of man's hand, but by the help of God, by the hand of God. Nehemiah also helped to restore justice in the land. There was a time that the people, uh, while Nehemiah was serving there, before uh, I think it was even before the wall was finished, that there was abuses of interest called usury. There were some people who were well off who were charging interest to the poor, and those people couldn't afford to pay for their lands and their houses, and, and they basically had to mortgage things off. And then after a point, things got so bad because there was a drought in the land. Um, that they had to end up selling their sons and daughters into slavery. Well, Nehemiah put a stop to that and basically restored uh, unto the poor what was taken from them. Today's text gives us another injustice that was um, mentioned here in today's text. And he calls it um, allowing the house of God to be forsaken. There was an injustice here, and we'll see uh, a little bit more of that as we look at today's text. As we study today's text, the focus is that God gives you ways that you are to rejoice before him. God gives you ways that you are to rejoice before him. And we'll see this in two main points. Rejoice in praising God, and secondly, rejoice in giving. Let's look at this first main point, rejoice in praising God. Look at the, again, the end of verse 42. The singers sang, this is uh, chapter 12, uh, the singers sang with jazz 
Ra'aya, their leader, and on that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced before God had, because God had given them great joy. Even the women and children rejoiced so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard from afar. God wants you to have great joy in worship. What can we do to have great joy in worship? Notice that here during this time in history, they had singers who sang, but it wasn't just a spectator thing where you had a choir and everyone just stood and sat down and watched the choir during the worship. The singers sang, but they actually, I believe, they they were helping the congregation in their singing because notice here that even the women and children rejoiced. And we can assume that their rejoicing wasn't just in and giving yelps, their rejoicing was in praising God in song as well. Because, think about it, if you had this entire congregation and only the choir was singing, or the singers were singing, do you think that they could have been heard from afar? I don't think so. But if you had the entire congregation, all of the people of Judah, all gathered together, all singing and praising God with one accord, then you could have heard that from a great distance. God doesn't want us to be mere spectators or observers. He wants us to give heartfelt worship as participants. Again, during this revival under Nehemiah, joyous worship was for the entire family. Those involved were the singers, the priests, the Levites, and the the men, women, and children of Jerusalem, of Judah. Verse 43 says, The joy of Jerusalem was heard from afar. Probably more than any other passage in the the Bible, this is one of the greatest encouragements for us to sing with greater volume. Now, for those of you who know my singing, you probably don't want me to sing with a greater volume, especially with me having this mic right here. Um, but that's something that I think will come with time. God is, God is helping me, I believe. Um, but I would say this, that there's some in this congregation that God has given beautiful voices to, men and women, and we want to hear them. We want to hear those voices because those with stronger voices can help, like the singers of old, they can help, carry the, they can help others carry the tune. We can match their pitch. We can match uh, the, the timing as well. And the stronger singers can help those who struggle a little bit more. And for those who are shy, when you sing in a congregation where there's good, reasonably loud singing, sometimes you can blend in a little bit. And you don't have to be so anxious. You know, you, I would love it if a lot of you folks would drown me out. <laughs> I would think I would love that. But God wants us to hear he, he wants to hear our voices, and we want to hear your voices. I, can, I believe I could speak for the, the vast majority of the congregation. Now, from my therapy experience working with lots and lots of patients with respiratory problems, singing with a good, loud, vigorous volume can be a great health benefit, a great health benefit. Um, It can increase your lung capacity. It can increase the oxygen in your blood. It can increase 
many things that are good for the essentials of your body and not especially your brain. Um, there's been studies that say that singing in a community increases uh, mental health. There's been studies saying that singing can improve your memory and your cognitive function, even for those with Alzheimer's and dementia. But more so than wanting to do it because it's good for you, God wants you to do it because he commands it and it is pleasing in God's sight. God is first and foremost of why we would want to sing in a way that is more vigorous. He wants you to, though, not just to sing with volume, he wants you to sing with a heart of sincere joy. You can sing with good volume one day. Lord willing, some of you may sing with good volume one day if you uh, work toward it. You can sing your heart out. But what God really wants is he wants your heart into it. He wants you to sing with a heart of devotion. Jesus repeated the words of Isaiah, a, a pretty stern warning of God given to Isaiah in Matthew 15, 8. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from, away from me. Now, I was speaking to the Pharisees and those who held to tradition rather than holding to uh, the word of God, but that applies in singing as well. He wants you not to just praise him with your lips, but he wants your hearts near to him. How do you do that? It's impossible without the work of the Holy Spirit. Ask God to work in you when you hear the preaching. Ask God to work in you when you hear the word read. Ask God in your home, in your home devotions that he would give you a heart that is heartfelt with true joy, joy that is rooted in God himself and what he has done for you. Ask God to convince you of the truth of Holy Scripture. The more that you are convinced of the truth of Holy Scripture, the greater your joy will be. Philippians 4, 4, a fabulous passage on how to think in a way that is pleasing in His sight, tells us, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And essential to that is what follows in verse 8 and following. Whatever is true... Whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute or of good report or reputation, if there is any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. This is a mandate for the things that you see in your life. Find matters of joy and praise throughout your life when God provides for you when God takes care of you, when God helps you through an illness or a sickness, when you see the creation, the beauty of of the creation that God gives, rejoice. I rejoice over my wife and kids. I rejoice over having some of the the most fabulous in-laws I could ever imagine on this whole planet. I rejoice over the privilege I have to be your pastor and to be able to do something I really love which is to preach the word of the Lord. I rejoice over seeing the beauty that God has created in the heavens, on the earth, and in the sea, the wonderful things that God has done. But in all the matters of praise and rejoicing, 
the ultimate praise and rejoicing, the ultimate matters of joy and praise are found in Jesus. The Lord Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of truth, of what is true, of what is honorable, of what is right and pure and lovely. Now, if there's anything worthy of a good report, of being excellent and praiseworthy, it's the cross of Christ. The cross of Christ and the work of Christ, the finished, completed work of Christ, that he has died for your sins, that he was raised for you, that he ascended to heaven, that he is your great high priest. If that's not a source of rejoicing, I don't know what I can give you. If God cannot give you a source of rejoicing in the Lord Jesus, there's nothing that's going to help you rejoice. So we have this people of God in in the Old Testament here. In chapter 12, they rejoiced in singing and praising God, but there's something else they rejoiced in. Look at verse uh, 44. It says in verse 44, On that day men were also appointed over the chambers of uh, for the stores, the contributions, the first fruits, and the tithes, to gather into them from the fields of the cities the portions required by the law for the priests and Levites. For Judah rejoiced over the priests and Levites who served. Now the saints, notice in Judah, rejoiced over the priests and Levites who served. Why did they rejoice over these who served. I believe it's because they rejoiced over the means of grace. The means of grace, the word of God, the sacraments and prayer. And yes, there were sacraments in the Old Testament. You could say it was the sacrificial system was, was like the sacraments of the Old Testament, especially the Passover. Circumcision was a sacrament of the Old Testament, even though it's not called that. But uh, a lot of the New Testament's theologian compare the sacraments of the Old and the sacraments of the New but because the people of God loved the means of grace, they rejoiced over those who administered the means of grace. For many of them they gave with joyful hearts because they sincerely loved those who served them. And one of the key things was that in serving them, they ministered in the, in the temple, especially offering sacrifices, not just for the behalf of the priests, they offered those sacrifices on behalf of all the people. Remember, that was the means of grace by which a Jew knew that they were made right with God was through that sacrificial system which pointed ultimately to the Lord Jesus Christ. Every drop of blood spilled on the Hebrew altars pointed to the blood of the Lamb, the perfect Lamb of God. Now verses uh, 45 and 46 tell us more about what work they appreciated. Look at verses 45 and 46. For they performed the worship of their God. Uh, This is the Levites and and the priests. For they performed uh, the worship of their God in the service of purification, together with the singers and the gatekeepers in accordance with the commandment of David and of his son Solomon. For in the days of David and Asaph, in ancient times, there were leaders of the singers, songs of praise and hymns of thanksgiving to God. Likewise, as they rejoiced in in the church of old, we should rejoice in the modern church as well. Those especially who minister the word of God, 
sacraments and prayer. But not only that, in all of those who serve in the church, um, the, those who serve as deacons, those who serve as elders, we should rejoice in all those who serve in our congregations. So we should give tithes and offerings because God commands it, especially we find that in Malachi 3.10 and following. However, today's text is an excellent motivation for giving upon the motivation of being filled with joy and delight in God and his means of grace. Think about this. If you love the Lord Jesus and you wish to embrace him and love him and express your gratitude for him, how can you do that? How could you embrace the body of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, he says, if you love me, you would love his church. On that day of judgment, there were many who would say, well, Lord, Lord, didn't I do these things in your name? But many would practice lawlessness. But in the measure in which you loved and served the church, in the measure in which you fed those who were called according to Christ's name, that you ministered to those who were called according to Christ's name, you did it unto the to the least of them, you did it unto Christ. Because to love the body of Christ is to love Christ. I, I am I'm concerned about those who are in, in maybe in a local church now. That they have people who I know are God-fearing Christians and they, they're members of a local church, sometimes in a mainline denomination. But they, they feel like their church, for the most part, is Bible-based and biblical. And they give their tithes and offerings. But what happens is some of the tithes and offerings go to the, the regional level or go to the national level. And those tithes and offerings then support leadership who promote the gay agenda. Gender confusion. Yes, there are people who are called by Christ's name who support those things. They support uh, the killing of the unborn. I was uh, in college, and we had a campus minister in one of these, I would say, liberal denominations. And she felt it was her job as a campus minister to go and convince the ladies, the young women on, on campus, to go get abortions. That was her ministry from God. So when you give tithes and offerings, yes, you might have a local church that you say is biblical, but some of your tithes and offerings go to support people like that. I am so thankful that we don't have to give tithes and offerings to support something that God hates, that Satan loves. I'm, I'm so thankful I can sincerely say that in the OPC, when we give tithes and offerings, yes, it goes to the local church here, but it, a lot of the tithes and offerings also go to the regional level and then goes to the, the main denomination national level, to the General Assembly level, and, and to the church offices of the OPC. But we could give in good conscience knowing that we're not supporting things that God hates. But we're supporting the work of ministry. We're supporting the work of those in China who are suffering in prison for the sake of the gospel and those who seek to train them that God would open a church there in China. Even our foreign missions in the Orthodox Presbyterian Church are faithful and we can give with confidence knowing that we're supporting the work of the gospel that was not the case of the founder of our, of our denomination. 
during the time which Dr. J. Gresham Machen was ministering in what we call the Northern Church or the PCUSA, he was dealing with foreign missionaries who did not believe Jesus as the God-man and did not believe that Jesus was the only way, the truth, and the life. Namely, one in particular was, a, I would call, a very liberal-minded unbeliever named Pearl Buck. Um, if, you, if you want, there's a lot of reading on that. She, she wrote an article for the Cosmopolitan that basically uh, questioned the deity of Jesus Christ. And more than believing in Jesus as a God-man and the, the Savior, believe in the notion of goodness in, in connection with him. That's, that, that was her understanding of how to apply the gospel. But she did not believe that Jesus was the God-man and the only Savior. And she did not teach that in, when she ministered in China. But thanks be to the Lord, God has raised up faithful ministries in every one of the works of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church. Now the saints in Nehemiah's day, they gave because they wanted the Levites and singers to serve in the temple rather than out in the field. And this is where we want to look at chapter 13, um, 10 and 11. It says there, Nehemiah speaking, he says, I also discovered that the portions of the Levites had not been given them so that the Levites and the singers who performed the service had gone away, each to his own field. So I reprimanded the officials and said, Why is the house of God forsaken? Then I gathered them together and restored them to their posts. Why were the Levites working in the fields? Well, it was a financial necessity. Uh, because tithes and offerings were withheld and they weren't able to be supported in their work, um, they had to support their families. And what did they do? They had to go back and work in the fields. Um, I'm thankful that with your financial support, I was able to, to study to pass my ordination exams. If not having the support of the church for me to study and meet with Pastor Bennett for uh, for basically being drilled in theology and doing my own study and having all that time for memorization, I probably would never have passed. I, I wouldn't be serving here. And honestly, uh, you know, if if the Lord calls me to, if I need to go back and work as a therapist and drive all over Central Louisiana, seeing patients, I will. But I do appreciate the privilege of being able to study and pray and, and to serve in the church here. But notice that God wants you to give in ways of rejoicing. He wants you to rejoice in singing. He wants you to rejoice in praising Him. He wants your praise to be heard from afar. He wants you to be filled with a heart of sincere joy. He wants you to rejoice in giving. The people of Judah rejoiced over the priests and over the Levites who served because they ministered the means of grace. Rejoice in your church as well because you love the means of grace. I hope you love the means of grace. But rejoice in your church as well because you love Jesus. If you love the Lord Jesus, you will love his church. When you love the body of Christ, you are loving Christ. 
Rejoice because Jesus has died for your sins. Rejoice because Jesus was raised for your sins, that he was raised so that you would likewise be raised on that great day. Jesus bore the cross, the shame and the sorrow so that you would not have to bear the curse. He bore that curse for you. That is a reason for you to rejoice. Let's pray together. We thank you, our blessed Lord. We thank you for Jesus, the ultimate high priest, the perfect and holy sacrifice who offered himself once and for all. Help us to give you the praise and the glory to exalt him and help us to go our way rejoicing. Help us to rejoice in singing. Help us to rejoice in giving. Help us to have lives of holy sacrifice, which is our reasonable service. Help us in these things, for we pray all of these matters in the name of Jesus, our holy great high priest. Amen. For our hymn of dedication, let's stand and sing 185. We give thee but thine own. Let's stand and sing 185. 